Hello and welcome to today's podcast from the Video Journal of Neurology. We are an open access video journal showing the latest news in neurology across all major disciplines. Our regular podcasts bring you exclusive insights from renowned experts on the hottest topics in their fields. In today's episode, two leading experts in the field of headache will discuss the current treatment landscape for cluster headache, addressing its challenges. They will also provide valuable insights into emerging and promising therapies aimed at more effectively managing cluster headache. To begin, Elizabeth LaRue from the University of Calgary outlines the existing acute and preventive management strategies for cluster headache, including fast-acting triptans, oxygen therapy, corticosteroids and more. Well, maybe let's start with cluster headache because for cluster headache, we have a more precise algorithm. Now we'll underline that the first step is an appropriate diagnosis, which a lot of patients actually do not get for many years. The diagnostic delay for cluster headache uh, can be quite long. Even if the patient these days go to the internet and they self-diagnose themselves, some doctors will actually say they don't have cluster headache, even if they do. So uh, make sure that you understand the diagnostic criteria. If once you have diagnosed cluster headache, you want to differentiate episodic form from chronic form. So patients with episodic will have about so active periods and then in between periods they have remission so they are easier to treat usually the patients with a chronic they don't have remissions for more than three months um, and they are usually more difficult to manage the attack of cluster headache is a very difficult thing um, it is excruciating pain it can be extremely severe and it requires a fast active a fast action uh, acute treatment triptans are the first line but oral triptans in a pill form are too slow so you need parenteral version for example a zomic nasal spray zomitriptan or sumatriptan injectable uh, other less commonly used versions are dhc dehydroergotamine subcutaneous a very very interesting treatment of the acute attack of cluster is uh, uh, inhaled oxygen. We don't know exactly why it works yet, but it is effective and extremely safe but it has to be administered at a high flow of 100% oxygen at 10 to 15 liters per minute with a non-rebreathing mask. Some of my patients have used a nasal cannula. This is probably useless. Um, and of course, oxygen can be combined with a lot of other things. So cluster headache will not respond, for example, to anti-inflammatories. Uh, of course, we recommend to avoid opioids because there are risks associated. Um, so those treatments are absolutely evidence-based. Um, unfortunately, in many countries, they are not necessarily accessible or covered. So uh, there's a lot of work to do to make those treatments uh, easily accessible to our patients. So preventive management of cluster, the, the idea is to either abort the period when it has started, so there's no more attacks or a few attacks, um, on or for cluster, chronic cluster headache is to decrease the uh, frequency of the attacks. There's It's very difficult to do research on cluster headache, therefore the evidence is quite limited, even for treatments that we use on a regular basis. The cornerstone of prevention for cluster is verapamil. Um, we don't know exactly why verapamil works so well for cluster, but it does help a lot of patients and it has to be increased sometimes to an average dose of 360 milligram in two to three times per day intake. Um, of course, side effects of calcium channel blockers may include hypotension, constipation, and so on. 
So sometimes it's not tolerated, but that's the first step. After that, we have options with steroids. So either oral steroids that a lot of people have access to. Problem with steroids is you have to be careful about the rebound when you stop them uh, or the long-term side effects of steroids. But another more innovative approach that has actually good evidence is to inject suboccipital steroids just on the side of the attack um, at the back of the head. So it's very close to a greater occipital nerve block, but with steroids. And that may effectively abort a period in both chronic and episodic cluster headache. Another new treatment that is... Uh, quite encouraging is a CGRP antibody called galcanizumab or amygality. And this is the very first treatment that has shown strong evidence in randomized control trial to uh, shorten and abort the, pe the period of uh, episodic cluster headache. Unfortunately, the trial in chronic cluster headache was not positive and therefore uh, it is not used uh, commonly apart by some expert where we actually will try anything. So that's another one. Once you have used those things, there are other molecules that are used with very small evidence and a poor tolerability, but still they are worth trying sometimes, such as the pyramate and lithium. And then there's a very long list of things that people can try to stop chronic cluster headache from melatonin to vitamin D to testosterone shots. Um, but this is very, uh, with very, very little or, or if any evidence. Uh, and so usually, we, but we will try everything to help those patients. So episodic cluster, we have quite a bit of options. Chronic cluster, less options. And sometimes uh, the key is to refer to a headache specialist for management, of course. Next up, Dr. LaRue explores emerging treatment strategies such as psilocybin and CGRP antibodies and assesses their potential impact on the treatment of cluster headache. There's actually quite a bit. Um, the first thing is that psilocybin has been, uh, so this is a hallucinogenic uh, substance that is find, found in some mushrooms, has been uh, uh, under scrutiny by the cluster community uh, since anecdotal evidence in the 90s just raised this interest. But now the scientific community is interested in this molecule because there is actually a scientific rationale on the mechanism of action on psilocybin on the serotonergic system. And on the other side, the legal issues are moving forward because there's more and more research doing done on this product, especially on post-traumatic stress disorders. Um, and so it might be that the legal status will change and allow scientists to study psilocybin better. The first exploratory trial of psilocybin has been published by Dr. Schindler uh, on a very small number of patients, but showing promising results uh, even in, in chronic cluster patients. So we need bigger studies. There's been a lot of research a few years ago about sphenopalatine ganglion stimulation. Um, and that was also very promising, including in chronic clusters. So the idea is to stick a little electrode that is going to the SPG zone and it's kind of screwed in the upper gum. This is not a very complicated thing to do. It is feasible by an oxyl uh, um, uh, maxillofacial surgeon. Very unfortunately, there were issues with the actual company. So the product uh, was never launched. And so it is somewhere in between now. We don't know if it will ever come back. Another interesting uh, zone is a CGRP blockade. So there is an ongoing trial now with eptinizumab or VEPT at a high dose of 400 milligram uh, for cluster headache. 
And so I think that uh, that's a, a question that is not yet resolved. Even if some trials for chronic cluster were negative, there is uh, anecdotal and ser- evidence and series suggesting there might be a benefit. So I think the story, uh, the jury is not out yet uh, about CGRP blockade in a cluster headache. Regarding tax, the numbers are so small that it's very difficult to conduct RCTs. So I think teams are continuing to publish series and to test usually what works for cluster in other tax. Though for SUMT, uh, actually, there's a lot of, of uh, interest in uh, surgical approaches that mimic what we do with trigeminal neuralgia. And this appear promising for this particular type of TAC. So uh, there might be some uh, more options for SUMT patients in the future. Now, Remo Hoyland Jensen from the University of Copenhagen delves deeper into CGRP use, highlighting the differences in treatment approaches amongst various headache types, such as migraine and cluster headache. Additionally, she discusses how the efficacy of therapies varies between acute and preventive management. The role of, of uh, CTRP is, is very interesting because, as I mentioned, it has changed the landscape in, 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 in migraine. Uh, and uh, we had hoped that it has the same effect in, in, in cluster headache because there has been old studies that, that CTRP has increased during the attack. Uh, individual attack. We don't know enough about what happened outside the attack, but um, and because it has been small studies so far, but but uh, we are in the fortunate uh, position here in the health center that we can uh, use human provocation studies because if we can can uh, provoke an attack with a substance, uh, then we can identify a target. And then we can we can uh, work on this targeted therapy, and that's one of the, the issues in in migraine that we could tr- trigger an attack with CTRP, and we could abort it again with an antibody or a DPEN. So so it has really moved the field forward uh, tremendously with, with uh, migraine. We can also trigger a cluster headache uh, attack with. with um, with CTRP injections in, in volunteer patients, but only if they are in the right position, you can say, and they are susceptible, because outside about you can't trigger that at all. Uh, but in, in the episodic ones, if they are in about 9 out of 10 patients, we can trigger a new attack. Of course, we can treat it in, in clinic as well, and in half of the patients with chronic ones. Uh, we can also trigger an attack. But it is not so clear as it is in migraine. And it is certainly not so clear with the other neuropeptides, uh, PACAP and VIP. It's only half of the patients that we can trigger an attack. So it is a different, it's a different pattern. It is a different disease. It's a different uh, reaction uh, in, in cluster headache that it is in migraine. It's not part of the same spectrum. It's two different things, but there can be some overlap in, 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 in the acute treatment, but not in the chronic. It's different. Talking about uh, neuromodulation, that also has been used a lot in, 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 um, in cluster headache, and uh, is that it is also effective in some of these with episodic cluster, but not in chronic. It's completely negative. That same design, same type of patients and same times of attacks, but not effective in the chronic ones. So it is a different disease, the chronic ones. And those that have the chronic version 
that means that they have no uh, uh, longer lasting period without a tax, three months in a year. Uh, they are really heavily, heavily burdened the disease. So they are, and, and four times more costly for societal cost and uh, personal cost in direct and indirect than the cyclones. So uh, there's a, a huge unmet need here. Dr. LaRue and Dr. Jensen both emphasise the need for better treatments aimed at elevating the quality of life for patients with cluster headache. They discuss the need for healthcare professional training and the significance of evidence-based treatment guidelines, along with the exploration of cost-effective and readily accessible treatment options. The need for unmet, the unmet need for, for these treatments is that we have a, a cheap and effective treatment that is available for everybody for the uh, the acute treatment, because uh, at the moment uh, it's very impractical to have an oxygen cylinder taking when you do to the street and so on. And in many countries it's not reimbursed, so patients have to pay themselves, and um, and also that uh, the. Injectable or nasal spray uh, triptans are available in, in in all countries in in the ideal world because it has to be work fast and effective and it is effective but it's not available in many countries and and uh, it should be in my opinion because these patients are really in need for this and and for for, for the prevention that the also is in in the ideal world we should have a better and uh, much better uh, prevention with an effective drug that is targeted for, for cluster headache. At this moment, it's we're using old drugs that are, are designed for hypertension or, or bipolar, or psychiatric disorder, or other pain disorder, but it, there's no specific treatment for, for cluster headache at all. There are two aspects. The first aspect is there is a lack of training in headache medicine in general. And I would say that because those diseases are less common, it is not that easy to find someone who has great expertise about them to teach others. So cluster needs definitely uh, more teaching. Uh, and uh, I think this can be achieved by just more programs about cluster headache and other trigeminoautonomic cephalgias, at least to be recognized and to say that when you see this type of symptoms, you should consult neurology or a headache specialist. Now, regarding guidelines, the issue is a bit different. Efforts have been made both by the Americans and the Europeans to create uh, guidelines. The problem is because of the very poor quality of the evidence, well, we don't have much to base our expertise on. So there's a lot of uh, advice that's based on clinical expertise and not necessarily evidence-based data. That's why the study on galcanizumab was so encouraging is that now we are developing a, a, a better methodology to study cluster headache. And I foresee that more evidence will be published in the future. So at present time, guidelines do exist. But if you look at the tables, quite often the evidence is not very, uh, is not sufficient to make a strong and confident statement. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's podcast and found it insightful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes or to catch up on old ones, you can subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast app, including Spotify, Apple and Podbean. You can also check out more information on headache if you visit vjneurology.com and follow us on Twitter at vjneurology. Until next time.